one of the current wars that's going on where we had, you know, like, Oh, there went JJ. What the he hell went just dark. happened? That was crazy. I'm back. <laughs> I thought the government was going to I know, right? They were like, wow, this guy's doing it. No, so I was it, waiting for the voice changer to come on. Know, right? and, JJ, it's been... Welcome to the What's Ever to Podcast. We fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Carter. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and hit that follow, subscribe, bell notification button, like. Don't forget to like. We like likes. It always helps us grow the podcast. You know what else helps, helps us grow the podcast, though, is telling your friends and family about us. And in this case, go find the journalist that you know, whether it be yeah. a writer or a television or I don't care. Just tell some journalist news person, local or otherwise, about us. Because Yeah, your cousin that's an influencer, tell them too. <laughs> I guess technically that's part of the media these days. So, yeah, tell them too. The reason we're saying that is this week, we're kicking off something new. This is the the first episode for the month of June. And so this is in June, we're starting something new and we're going to try doing themed months. So there is, I guess, the reasons behind this one. As you can see, it's just the two of us. Matt's taking a step back and have a baby. Don't know how much he'll be involved in the podcast. So we decided along with that change, we would change some things up. It's just two of us now, and sometimes, for whatever reason, we have things going on, and I just don't think it would be as fun a podcast as a one-man show. Exactly. When you're watching this, I'm in Utah, of all places. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, which is where I'm normally at. and so, But I know in June and July, I may have some trips for work. So anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to record these early. We're also going to record some older movies, and we're going to do categories. And if you want to get in on what categories or what movies we're watching, you can join up on Patreon. Otherwise, just keep listening. We always appreciate the listens, but if you want to join up on Patreon, you can be able to vote on the categories that will be upcoming for the months that we don't do new movies. And then, as always in Patreon, you'll be able to vote on what movies we're going to actually review. So with that, for the first of this month in June, we're doing All the President's Men. It was released April 9th, 1976. Oh, and I forgot to go with that. It is the month of classics for June. Leave it to me. But again, April 9th, 1976, All the President's Men. It was written by Carl Bernstein, Bob Woodward, and William Goldman. It was directed by Alan J. Pacula. It stars Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, Hal Holbrook, Jason Robards, Jane Alexander, Meredith Baxter, and Stephen Collins. Oh, and don't forget Ned Beatty. We got to put that guy in there. Right. Uh, there's quite a few people in here that like, I mean, even like F. Murray Abraham, like these guys, it's it's amazing to me. Like when you watch like old movies like this, that you see people that are now like either have left us, unfortunately, or they're like seasoned actors. Like for example, Stephen Collins, who plays Hugh Sloan, who's one of like the people that they're trying to get information on from, you know, based on all of the Watergate stuff. But like now he's like that grizzled old actor that plays like the mom, the dad or like the grandpa. But man, he was like a kid in this movie. So exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. And it was fun to see 
like Jason Robards. Like I always think of him from Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and yes, the, the asshole old man. And you know, on the other side of the, the court case, but anyway, yeah. it's fun. So the uh, breakdown of this movie, the Washington post reporters, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein uncover the details of the Watergate scandal that lead to president Richard Nixon's resignation. Yeah. And it's based off a book they wrote, right? Kind of, or at least it's based off of kind of real events and kind of a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So, uh, yeah, let's dive in. We do have some topics. Let's just jump right out. Alec, you brought up the topic of identity politics. I'm very interested. To, <laughs> we might as well just kick this shit off with the heavy let's stuff. So let's, uh, let's figure it out. So I'd seen this movie a couple times before. I think I watched it in the school, uh, like mm-hmm. sophomore year, high school or something like that. This should be required watching for everybody in the United States. Reason being is I don't know if this was intended that this movie came out uh, almost two decades before I was born. Mm-hmm. And the Watergate scandal did happen two decades before I was born. But the an underlying theme through this is entirely, I'm a good Republican. Mm-hmm. I'm a good Republican, right? For those who don't know, President Nixon was a member of the Republican Party. And so people who even could see that he was guilty, that he was involved with this plot. He was more involved with the cover-up. His entire administration was involved, which still say, I'm a good Republican. (laughs) But identity politics has only gotten worse to where it does not matter if you fall just a little bit on the left-hand side or if you're a far-left nut job, you're put in the same box. Vice versa, if you fall a little bit on the right side or you're a right-wing hick, you're put in the same exact box. And so it's caused this almost divide to where you hear in this past election, oh, I don't like this candidate, but he's not a Republican or he's not a Democrat. So I voted for him anyway. It's, I don't want your side to win. So I'm going to fight very, very hard for your side to lose rather than actually care about what I'm voting on. And it even comes out when they, uh, you know, first publish the article and they kind of get slammed for not having everything perfect. It's, I guess, the people over the Washington Post aren't Republican or aren't, you know, supporting their president. And it is a huge and divisive kind of way to run politics. It stems from our broken, absurd two-party system. Sure. But I watching this again after, you know, quite a few years and after what we've experienced over the last couple of elections, I was like, dude, everybody needs to watch this movie once a year and see how ridiculous it is because it's only gotten worse since the 70s Yeah, to where you're willing to defend terrible, illegal, awful behavior simply because you don't like the other candidates' platform policies or even the fact that they're running for the opposite party. How dare they? Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Yeah. I mean, look, I was raised in a very conservative Republican home, you know, and I'm not, I don't know. It's tough. Cause I live with a very, very liberal Democrat uh, and she has no compunction about how liberal she is. And I think that's great. Like, and I'm not, I'm more moderate than I am anything else. Like I, see strengths on both being 
liberal and conservative in certain ways and areas. But, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, like, I think we need to, and this sounds extreme, I think we need to burn it to the ground and rebuild it because... Oh, we should have burned to the ground in the 70s, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> and, way and, past the burning it down phase. Sure, and I, you know, and this is like one of those things where this time frame and Watergate was really where we started to see the exposure of, and we'll talk, this is our next topic, but at least it's a great lead into political corruption and the fact that politicians stopped being about the people a long time ago. And this was when we started to see that, that greed and keeping your job and maintaining a control over the structure of our country was the most important thing. And it had nothing to do with the will of the people or taking care of the nation as a whole. And anybody, it's amazing to me that people that talk about, I'm going to vote for this person or that person. Cause I'm like, you do understand that they don't give a shit about you. Like not a little, not even an inkling of a shit. They care about power and controlling the world to a certain degree, because regardless of how much we're loved, hated, whatever, we still have the strongest controlling interest in the world powers. It just is what it is. You know, I have a family member that has an in in the government area. I've told who's you, your source. <laughs> I know I've told you guys this offline who it is and, and some of the things that they, you know, and I, but there's certain times we'll start conversations and he'll go, I can't keep talking. And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. And, and so he's told me like the structures of war, you know, even in the, in our day and age, it has nothing to do with like war. Isn't war. For example, the, one of the current wars that's going on where we had, you know, like, Oh, there went JJ. What the he hell went just dark. happened? That was crazy. I'm about. <laughs> I thought the government was going to I know, right? They were like, wow, this guy's doing it. No, so I was it, waiting for the voice changer to come on. Know, right? JJ, it's been. That's <laughs> 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 scary shit. Like, my computer just went dark. Anyway, um, yeah. For example, like, if a superpower, the major countries out there was like, well, we want to take over this smaller country and annex them into our country. It isn't about whether they could or couldn't like all of the superpowers of the world. And I'm not including Russia in that because they're, they used to be a superpower, but the truth is they're not anymore. But let's say, for example, we wanted to take over a small country. We wouldn't just go to war. We would threaten war. We would go to the UN and say, we're going to take this over. So how, how do we need to negotiate this issue? And what would happen is we would negotiate with them instead of saying, okay, we're going to take over this country. They're going to pay us X amount of dollars to not take over this country. They pay us so much money that they're technically part of the United States at this point. Now that's just an example. Wars don't happen because of we want to take over anymore, or we want to expand. It's money. And it's not about making it. It's you pay us so that we don't make you look ridiculous in the, in the world media, right? Because we'll just walk all over you. And then we also get to keep the fact that we don't look like monsters because we just marched through your border and took over. But you can't... They're hiding communists. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's just crazy. And I mean, that's a very watered down. There's so many more details that... But we just don't have time in this format to talk about it. We could talk about it in a different one if you guys want to do it. Go to Patreon or send us an email at host at whatsoever.com. But I mean, there's... It's crazy. And I didn't know that until I'm sitting in a room with this family member and they're talking about like, war is such a, an outdated platform. 
for the way that the world works now. And, and he goes, and it's just these powerful countries get together and go, here's what's going to happen. And it happens because it, it keeps people from having to go to insane amounts of war. And then you have things like the Afghan war and the Iraqi war that have completely and other motives behind them. And that's why they go to war. It's for a show and it's for political clout. Right. And money, as you say, or <laughs> yeah, anyway. so there's I mean, a lot of different reasons that things happen, but like this shows that level of corruption to the point that our politicians don't give a shit about us. And that's the problem is when this country was founded, it was founded in the, on the premise of the people are what matter because they were leaving European corruption. These other areas that had come, they had been a part of that were where we are now, right? Like our politicians don't give a shit. They care about yeah. power and they care about money and they care about keeping their job like the rest of us do. And it's telling like it, kind of glosses over a little bit in the outro where it kind of sums up everything that happened in the events. Mm -hmm. But Nixon wasn't apologetic. No. That he did this. He was apologetic that he got caught. Yeah. That was the issue. I mean, and he never thought he would because corruption has been going on at this point for about a hundred years. Yep. Uh, and everybody's been getting away with it. So he even wasn't going to resign. Yeah. That was the, platform that he was on he was keeping his job that was it move on i got caught give me my slap on her wrist and let's go and it's telling that you know it didn't even click in his mind that oh i fucked up mm -hmm. it was no it was like oh, man this is really gonna hurt my you know image to, on the wall of presidents or whatever it is yeah like, this is just the worst and it <laughs> she's kind of shows how out of touch a lot of politicians are Yep. And I could just imagine the conversations too with the people that he had set it up and be like, why do these fuckers use flashlights, you morons? It's like, yeah. come on, dude. Can't you just use one flashlight? Or but instead of everyone having one and everybody seeing it? Or how do we not get like this apartment building? Everybody should be that's in it should be on our side, right? Like, so mm -hmm. you want anyway, it's just crazy to me. Cause like you said, he wasn't apologetic at all. Like if you watch his speeches, even his resignation, like it was all about defending himself and yeah, you know, this isn't my fault. It's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my fault. You are all making a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Sorry that I'm so paranoid that I literally recorded everyone around me, but you know, I'm not a crook. Fuck off. Get yeah, out of here. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and that that governmental corruption across the board leads to another topic that's very hot for me. So I'm glad that you brought it up because I would have if you hadn't. And that's journalism in general. And I when I say journalism, this one, obviously, we're talking about a newspaper, The Washington Post. That's where these guys were. And The Washington Post has broken quite a few big stories. It's not like, you know, I mean, I think if we're talking journalism, I want to get this out of the way before I just shit on the entire institution of journalism. And that is. There are still some publications that work as true journalists should, right? And that is an unbiased reporting of the facts and let us as human beings, hopefully some level of intelligence decide what we believe and, and what we, how we take those facts and utilize them within our lives, right? That's what journalism is designed to be. And what it should be in an un incorruptible format, right? It, you report facts, not belief or ideas, right? That's 
And if it is, it needs to be stated clearly. This is an opinion. Yeah. This is not fact. The problem with journalism, in my opinion now, is there are no facts that are ever shared truly. I, I firmly believe Jesus. <laughs> They're after me, dude. I'm telling you, I'm in trouble. Um, I firmly believe that if there are, I believe that probably individual journalists, there are some that are left that are trying to do the right things. But journalism as a whole is just a big business. The instant that we allowed that our government was smart enough to realize that we need to make it so that journalistic institutions can make money, can be for profit, that institution, because money corrupts everything, I'm sorry, the corruption bled into journalism. And now we have journalistic don't, there's no such thing as journalistic integrity, in my opinion. Absolutely not. And it's been kind of a constant battle that nobody pays attention to, because you could go back to the turn of the century when you had two different newspapers and it was billionaire moguls who were running them. They decided what to print. They decided the story. They decided what was true or not, and they pushed it out. And it's been this constant battle between actually reporting on facts versus, like you said, printing on an opinion. And I think this movie does a great job of it, right? You have uh, Woodward and Bernstein as your journalists who are going out and getting the story. And it was kind of funny because I could just see the pushing, right? They do a great job of push, 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 push. Tell me what you know. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to figure this out. And I can't see that happening a whole lot anymore, except for an occasion here or there. And Typically, I feel like that would end in a buyout where someone's like, hey, here's some hush money. Shut up and go away, mm-hmm. uh, which never came up in this. There was no offer of a bribe. And I that was the one thing where I was like, hmm, I can't see that happening today where no government official would or anybody would be like, hey, here's this. But it also goes up the ladder, right? Because you have uh, their immediate boss who's on their side. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to a point where even the head of the newspaper is a uh, Robards. Yeah. Uh, and he's on their side too with his non-denial denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that same mentality and same attitude top to bottom in this paper. It's even where he's on the phone with the one guy and he's like, no, I don't want to print that you were in her apartment. I just want to know what you said, <laughs> which is a great line. Yeah. Like, I just want to know what you said while you were there. Like, I'm not going to rat you out in the paper as long as you tell me what you said while you're there. And it was the papers had this almost blackmail capacity Mm -hmm. to where they were, I don't want to say equal footing, but close enough that they could punch up and be okay. Yeah. Now I have a feeling that a lot of the politicians who are the corrupt ones have stake in the papers and the journalist thing. So, you know, anytime, I don't know, I'm going to pick on somebody, the Washington times or whatever, CNN, any Fox News goes to print something or post something, they are going to first have to get it cleared by their bosses in the government, mm-hmm. which is then, oh, no, you can't print this. You can't print this. can't print this. Put this in instead. And so it's just, like you said, lost the journalistic integrity. Yeah. Well, and they all have their leanings, right? Like we all know Fox News is a very much right wing I hate using the term Republican because I do try not to like label it. Even though we have a very broken two-party system, I try not to like lean into like Republican, Democrat, corruption. It's right-wing, left-wing for me. Like extremism is what we're talking about. But 
The problem is, is Fox is owned by a very right wing group of people. And so they report in ways that make right wing politics look good. And really because then they get all these freaking, like you said, red, the, the hicks out there watching their Republican right wing party affiliation news that makes them feel good about their belief system and what they voted for and things like that. And on the flip side, you have the left wing and the liberal side that have their news media. And that's how the media to me is so frustrating because it's like, look, if all of you morons would just report down the middle and report facts, then we as human beings, at least the majority, I believe, maybe I want <laughs> the majority I want to believe will then take those facts and create an opinion or a belief system around truth and facts. Whereas now I don't even watch the news and I read it very little, little because I either have to not at all or have to read literally everything and then try to find some middle ground as an intelligent human being that says, I know this side and this side are lying in some way, shape or form, or they're changing the facts or they're tweaking them or they're manipulating the facts to fit a certain narrative. I have to find the narrative in the middle so that I can at least have some semblance of truth within all of that, right? And so it's really tough. And I, for me as a human being, that's it's really frustrating because I would love to find a publication or a news media outlet that would like just say, here is what happened and that's it. Not say, here's what happened. This caused this, this caused that. This is this problem. Fuck off. You don't know that shit. You're making it up. That's what could happen. That's what might have happened. That's, but that's your opinion. You don't, there is no factual evidence of what you're talking about. Now I get to believe and do. But the problem is, is that doesn't make people money. Fear and outrage, those are the things that create profit for news outlets. It just is. It's why there's so many freelance journalists out there that are writing shitty articles and fucking clickbait titles and headlines. It's fucking bullshit. Like I hate it. I hate, I hate a lot of things. The media is up there. Like today's media is up there for me. Easily, easily at the top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it's, here's what happened. This is why we need to do this, this, and this, and this is why you need to vote for this, this, and this person. Otherwise, this, this, and this will happen. And if you let them get into office, then you're going to be experiencing this, this, and this. Yeah. <laughs> I think you and I are going to disagree on the, we think most people would form their own opinion. I think most people like this oh. in the sense that don't tell me what to do or don't let me do it. I just, just tell me what to think. Just tell me who to vote for. I don't want any part of it. Sure. And so, I mean, it leads into where they're like, okay, well, you two guys take this group of people. We'll take this group of people. And we'll make them fight against each other while we rake in a lot of money and go out to parties together mm -hmm. to where I don't even know if they changed and started going down the middle, if people would adjust or if they would rail against it, so to speak, because now it's like, well, I used to watch Fox News because they uh, they agreed with everything I agreed. Now they're just reporting facts. I'm not going to watch them anymore. Or, you know, CNN has changed. They've sold out to, you know, the right wing <laughs> news group. And now now they're not promoting the stuff that they used to because it's almost like, you know, putting a box 
now the box is open. Well, I want to go back in the box. Yeah. Like I like the box. Sure. So it's, it's a whole stick. You like if I'm the same, but I, I, I don't watch the news, spice the media. Well, and I don't disagree with you. Like I think go back to, cause that's what they used to do. There were laws that wouldn't allow, they didn't allow certain types of journalism to make money. That's why you had like the, the national Enquirer that everybody looked at it in the new, in the grocery store line when I was a kid going, what a fucking ridiculous, it was entertainment news, right? Yeah. National Enquirer. Now I can't tell the difference between the New York post and the national Enquirer because the New York post, I'm sorry, is a very right wing publication when it comes to how it forms its opinions and shares its news. When I was a kid, they didn't, they weren't allowed to new, especially newspapers. They had to report facts. Now they could say, here's the facts of the case based on our opinion. This is what should be happening or what you should believe or do. Right. But that's, they had to preface it. There were rules around that and they couldn't do it for profit. Like they could do it in order. It was like they were nonprofit machines back in the day because they shouldn't be able to make money on being able to manipulate the minds of the people. Anyway, those used to be the rules. Obviously, that's not the way it is now. They've been gone for a long time. And I don't disagree with you. I think people will be very upset because they want to be told and they want to be able to look to and more than being able to be told what to do. They want someone to blame. Instead of, no, I believe what I believe because I'm a fucking asshole. And you know what? If you are, fine. Own that shit. Yeah. I'm a dickhead. (laughs) Somewhat of an anarchist to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, dude, if I had my way, I would. Dude, we'd shut the shit down. Bills. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, like, if I had my way, every single politician in office in our country would be booted out and we would re nominate revote every single politician in our country and we would revamp the entire process of what that looks like fuck you super PACs and money they don't get money yeah period you don't get to fund tv ads and if you shit on your opponent in one way on live media on news and you're done kick your ass out that see now they really (laughs) really don't like you (laughs) they really hurt Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I would redo the whole system. I believe in our oh, government. Let me redone. rephrase. I believe in our system. I believe to a degree, and I believe in the, in the Constitution. I love our country. I think it's wonderful. But it has, over the last hundred, few hundred years, 100 years, really lost its It's not for its the way. people, by the people anymore. It's for the government, by the government. Yeah, we've lost our way. Anyway, I always like to get that out. I love my country, but I also am not blind to the fact that that shit's broken because we've allowed it to be manipulated and we, the people, have no power anymore. We just don't, period. We're more of an oligarchy now than we are a republic. Yeah. So anyway, that's a frightening thing to say. I might fucking end up. (laughs) If I disappear, it wasn't my choice, folks. (laughs) I'm just telling you. So with that said, let's talk about these actors because obviously there's a lot of actors in this movie that a lot of people will recognize their faces or know who they are from other movies. But this movie is obviously carried by two guys and that's Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford. And to me, when I think back on, I have some opinions about Robert Redford, but I'm a little bit biased because my father-in-law knew him. So 
But Dustin Hoffman has always been one of my favorite actors, period. And I think this is probably... This is one of his first movies. Yeah, and this is one of the... I think this is a movie that really kicked him off in a way that people were like, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, because it's hard to share a screen with Robert Redford and get noticed. Yeah. And you remember Dustin Hoffman as much, if not in some cases, more during scenes than you do Redford. Yeah. And this is, at this time, Redford's at the top of his game. Yeah. He is the guy. Yep. And you have kind of a unknown actor coming in and sharing the screen, and he just kills it, Dustin Hoffman does. Yeah. And really kind of opens up into what, into him becoming one of the better method actors in history. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He'd done The Graduate up to this point, which is really what launched him, was The Graduate. But then he did Midnight Cowboy, which is <laughs> a weird fucking movie. And I think that kind of set him back a little bit. Well, even though it was a very popular, like, critical movie, it was a weird-ass movie. But then this one put him back on that. And then from this one, when he did Kramer versus Kramer, Jesus, it was over. Because then he did Kramer versus Kramer, Tootsie, Death of a Salesman, Rain Man. Yeah, it, from then on, he was like a super, super, superstar. But I think this was the first real, because I'm with you. Like, in my opinion, he outdoes Robert Redford in this movie. And this is Robert Redford, at, like you said, at his peak. Everybody knew who Robert Redford was. And like, he yeah. was, yeah, he was established. This guy was a star at this point. He was the one that was meant to carry this movie. But I think Hoffman stole this movie from him. Like, every time Hoffman was on the screen, that's who I was watching. Mm -hmm. Even this time. And it's crazy to think because Hoffman's shorter. Yeah. He's a little bit more twitchy um, in his acting. And it doesn't seem like he would be the guy to steal the movie. And he does. Mm -hmm. Especially in this time in Hollywood where they're still kind of exiting a little bit of the golden age. And, you know, your protagonist is the tall guy. He's the <laughs> good looking one, blonde hair and everything like that. Yeah. And Hoffman comes in and yeah, every single time, it's the way he acts and the way he moves and the way he delivers his lines where he, he takes over a ton of this movie. Yeah. He's just more interesting. Mm -hmm. He just, yeah, he's just more interesting to me. And so that's why I mean, even watching it this time, and I've seen this movie so many times, but this time I, I just cannot get over because he doesn't like even in the, like he's got the long hair. He looks a little rough, like, and you can tell like, a lot of people in the in that in the newsroom, and I don't know if that's indicative of. I'm sure to a certain degree, like that's how people felt about Bernstein, Carl Bernstein at the time, like that he was this kind of oddball hippie type. You know what I mean? But like, he played him so well, Hoffman, that I was like, okay, I get why most of the people in the newsroom are like, fuck, it's okay. <laughs> You know, and, even Bernstein's working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and it's funny because like Woodward was like, you know, in this, he's like, God, he snaked his way into my story. Right. Like, I think that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is the human dynamic of these two writers that are at each other because they don't want to work together, but they want to tell this crazy story of what just happened in the most outlandish corruption story within our government which to be honest was kind of a low level level of corruption to be i mean okay yeah, so they compared to what has happened yeah i mean they're stashing <laughs> some happen. funds away to pay some people and they're 
they're bugging people's houses and oh, no shit they are dude come on and i love my cell phone but don't fucking bullshit me they listen exactly yeah, yeah. i'm being listened to fuck off that's why i worry every time my screen goes black i did shit <laughs> Why well, I've happened a lot in this episode and never before. Uh, uh, I did it one time on the last episode we recorded and that was it. But mm. now it's like four times. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? To the point that like I'm moving my mouse constantly to try to keep it from happening. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I love Dustin Hoffman. But Robert Redford, like I struggle because I hear story. My father-in-law, he was an asshole. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> As a human being, like, and I, again, there's, there's some biases there, right? Like, Robert Redford has some Utah ties and my father-in-law's a contractor and, and worked in some areas. And so like, but they, they've interacted before. And then there's interactions where he's seen like how he treats the service industry people. And apparently it's not very good. So I've always had this, like ever since I met my father, like I've always, and we've talked to him because he knows that I watch a lot of movies and I'm a mm -hmm. big fan, all that shit. So he's always talking about Robert Redford's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a great actor. I fucking oh, you can't take away from really the man can act. Well, and I will say this too: like the older he's gotten, like a lot of times actors, like the older they get, the better they get. Like their performances get a little more subtle, they get a little more nuanced. Robert Redford, I think, at least in my opinion, the older he's gotten, he's not as good as he was. Yeah, back in this time, right there, the '60s and '70s eras, like. You watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Fuck, he's great. You watch this movie. He's amazing. The Defenders and the, TV, the old TV show, like he was in it for one episode, but he's great. Like there's a lot of things that he did, the way we were, the Sting, Gatsby, these movies that he did in the 70s and shit that got him to where he was who he is. Amazing. Even as far back, you know, as early as like The Last Castle, The Horse Whisperer. He was good. But as you got a little further in, like I watch him in Winter Soldier and I'm like, you're not the man you used to be. Buddy. No, he um, should have retired yeah. the, and give it up. Just keep uh, on doing, uh, keep producing, right? Like, you, yeah, stick with your production shit. Make your money off Sundance. Go away, though, because he he's one that he feels more wooden the older he got. But like in this movie, he's great. Right. There's all that passion. There's the nuance in his performance. There's the from him more than anybody. He seems like at first he's like, I, I need to write this story. But then he gets more and more like, I don't I feel like I shouldn't be writing this story. Yeah, I don't want to write this story. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the I love the dynamic between him and Hoffman because Hoffman's like gung ho. I want to shut this shit down. Like we got to tell this story. And it's Hoffman that keeps him in it a lot of times. Right. That and then Deep Throat being like, you know, you need to report this shit out. Here's what's going on. But yeah, it's very intriguing to me, Robert Redford, how he's changed. And I don't know if maybe he just isn't in it like he used to be because he doesn't need to act yeah. in order to make his money. <laughs> it's hard to really feel that passion. If hey, yeah. you know where your next meal is coming from. Yeah, exactly. You're doing it because <laughs> it's what you do, not what you want to yeah. do. Right. And I, but I don't know. I mean, it's me just making shit up, but I think too, I'm a little biased by, cause like, the natural, dude. I'm sure you've seen the natural. Oh uh, yeah. When they, <laughs> it didn't work. Like 
when they because yeah. we didn't have the technology in 84 when the natural came out to de-age robert redford playing a 20 year old kid and i'm like fuck you look 50 <laughs> <laughs> they put that shitty wig on him it's like that scene in uh what is it bad boys yeah <laughs> how old are you 16 motherfucker you look 30 yeah. <laughs> ludicrous looking motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you say. Because like, I have the same response. Like you're 20, my butt. Yeah, no shit. But that's, and I think that was like where I started to go. I this is rough. Like, <laughs> and I, thankfully they don't do that quite as much as they used to. But like, the natural was a rough one for me because I loved the movie and the concept. But Robert Redford did not do much for me in that movie. And then he had some great ones in the early 2000s. And then I think what really lost me, the movie that finally finished me on Robert Redford as actor was Indecent Proposal. Like, I was like, I, you know, I just don't enjoy this performance. Like, yeah, I don't buy it. But that's me and Robert Redford. What about you, buddy? It's, it's tricky because I, I like Robert Redford. I mm-hmm. think I like him best when he has someone else to share the screen with. Mm. Like uh, two of his better movies, we mentioned them both. It's this one and Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid. In this one, he has Dustin Hoffman, albeit a young Dustin Hoffman, but still talented and on his way up. And in Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid, he's got Paul Newman. And in both cases, even though I think he might be top billed in both, he is more of the side actor in a way. Still leading, but, you know, kind of takes almost a step back unless the other person thrives. So now he's adding his performance to their performance. And in, kind of in both of them, there are moments where we see that wouldn't Robert Redford, right? Yeah. So, but it doesn't stick as much because you have the passionate Paul Newman or the passionate Dustin Hoffman to kind of fill in. And it's more like a half a step back, right? To where he adds value to the performance through his own talent and skill, but he doesn't have to carry it on his shoulders versus and something like the natural like you said it's it has its rough spots because it's that quiet almost reserved robert redford and it doesn't always work so that that is my kind of thing with robert redford i still like watching his movies he's a very attractive man but it's one of those scenes where i'm like i really like this guy but i don't know why because <laughs> or I, I like him because other people make me like him sure or the movies, the stories that he's in yeah. are great, right? Like, it's a good point that you make. And the more you're sitting here talking about it, the more I start thinking about the movies that he's in that I love, even the more recent stuff. Like, so when I think about my favorite Robert Redford movies, like Out of Africa, absolutely ridiculous. But he had Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. I also think about The Last Castle, but he had a huge cast with him on that one. James Gandolfini, Mark Ruffalo, Delroy Lindo. I also think of, in the newer ones, Spy Game, but he had Brad Pitt. So it's like, now you're starting, you've cleared some vision for me, buddy. Like, Oh, thank I I like this fucker when he's got a great someone with him that carries his ass. And all he has to do is be there to Almost lay down some Robert Redford. Yeah. Right. Because he, he does best when he's, I hate saying it this way because, you know, I just said I liked his movies, but he does best when he doesn't have to say a whole lot and he just responds. Right. He doesn't necessarily initiate the conversation, but he responds back to it. 
I, I would say maybe reactive rather than proactive. Yeah. Doesn't change that I like his movies still, but sure. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no denying the man knows how to pick movies. Like he knows how to yeah. pick what movies to be in because he's been in some outrageously good movies. I mean, even I make fun of him because of like Captain America Winter Soldier, but it's arguably one of the better MCU films ever made. Mm-hmm. And he's in it. So the guy knows how to pick films. It was never something that I thought of that point that you made that he's best when he's sharing top billing, even though he may be the guy, what they used to sell the movie. He's not the guy when it comes to acting. Cause I mean, you could go back to like all the way back. Cause you talked about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid where he's with Paul Newman. The same could be said for the sting. Cause the sting's a fabulous movie, but it's fucking Paul Newman again. And Paul Newman, no matter what Paul Newman does, that guy steals the screen. He stole the fucking screen from goddamn Tom Hanks. So, or Tom Cruise, which not a lot of people can do. No. So that tells you about Paul Newman. And he did it twice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. That's, I'm going to have to fucking rethink all of my favorite Robert Redford movies now. Cause I don't think I recognize the fact that he's at his best when someone else is carrying his ass. Interesting. Well done, sir. Now I Thank re- you. That's what I'm here for. Now I got to rewatch <laughs> some movies that I didn't think I'd ever rewatch. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, I, I think to kind of close this off, because at the ultimate end of the day, this is like the backdrop to this story is fucking tricky dick. Oh, my gosh. Richard Worst Nixon. goddamn president we've ever had. Exactly. I don't care which side of the aisle you fall on. And here's the thing. Watergate isn't even the worst thing he did. Fuck no. Uh, it's mild. Yeah, it's the last thing he did. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the stupid part. And I wish they would have said this in the movie. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's, oh, Nixon resigned. He resigned because he didn't want to get impeached and yep. pulled up in front of a court. Yeah, because this uh, was not the worst thing he did. No. And everything else would have gotten pulled out if he'd actually gotten impeached. And then here's how you can tell just how corrupt Washington is. He was pardoned a month later by Gerald Ford, his vice president. Of course he was. Because again, they're all on the same side. They're all dirty. Yeah. And (laughs) and if one of them goes down, the whole fucking system gets burned. And it's it's crazy because you still have people who want to defend him because they affiliate with the same party you know they're like oh i'm a good republican i like nixon so much so that it shows up in sweet home alabama by leonard skinner yep i mean i love the song but every time i hear the you know watergate does not bother me does your conscience bother you yeah it's like you're missing the whole point Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole point is doesn't matter that he's a republican what matters is he was Actively smearing his political opponent to stay in office, planting bugs on everybody. I mean, that's bad. That's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention it wasn't for a good purpose. It was simply so he could keep his job. Yeah. And imagine if I did that. Yeah. And here's the thing that that blows my look. I'm not, I have not been a fan of any president for a very, very long time. Even ones that were around before I was alive, such as Nixon, But I think about like some of the more modern things, the things that we get pissed about, right? So like arguably one of the better, fuck, this is such a shitty thing for me. Like it's hard for me to say without it sounding like I'm saying that 
fucking Clinton was a great president. But when I think about the last dozen presidents, he was probably one of the better ones. I mean, he's near the top of the list as far as what he did for the country, as far as its stability and its level of competence, right? I hate to say it, but he was pretty good. But this man got in trouble for having an affair to the point that he was impeached for having an affair. And as in the, in the words of a very, of a used to be popular stand-up comedian, let me get this straight. I can get fired for getting a blow job. Well, God damn it. I quit. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, let's think about that for a second. Nixon was bugging people. He was fucking using the information on those bugs to defame, to slander, to put people in a terrible position so that he could stay as president in the midst of the, the re-election campaign. Dude had an affair. We got more up in arms about this man getting head in the Oval Office than we did about this guy literally breaking the law. There is no law that says Clinton can't get head in the Oval Office. Is it appropriate? Probably not. No. Was it a good <laughs> choice? Not no. so much. Is it against the law? Nope. No. <laughs> Nixon broke so many fucking laws it was ridiculous and we were like that's okay yeah he's Nick oh I think we lost Alec this time we're yeah. in trouble dude Lose a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll take over for you then yeah. I look at presidents and whether they were good or not by if someone tried to shoot them or shot them <laughs> that's fair because look at it right so here's the thing so I believe wholeheartedly that Washington is corrupt to its bones oh yeah for sure and have all of these presidents who have one of the best, if not the best security details in the world, the ones who are uh, going against the grain in Washington mm. usually get shot. Um, so even though, he, I mean, even though I don't agree with all his policies, I look at Reagan, right? Reagan was shot because he wasn't following the status quo. Then he shaped up and went the way that he was supposed to. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> there's a pattern here. Yeah, right? You fair. have people's security details who fall apart um, and all these things. And it's like, oh, geez, I wonder why that happened. But instead, we're stuck with Nixon for nearly his entire term. Or, you know, we're stuck with, <laughs> again, Donald Trump for an entire four years. Or we're stuck with... Uh, I mean, we're, we're stuck with these terrible, terrible presidents for the entirety of their term, eight years, four years, whatever it happens to be, versus uh, the presidents who get shot. It's fair. It's fair. And yet at the same time, we're too busy fighting over, oh, Trump was great. Obama was great. Clinton was great. You know, all these people, I hate Reagan. I hate Nixon. Not missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> and... It drives me nuts, but yeah, at the same time, it's, it goes to your point. Like we're so focused on the little things is yeah. the best way to put it rather than caring about the fact that we had a sitting president who broke the law. Yeah. <laughs> and, and was like caught. Yeah. It wasn't even like, like it was proven that this man broke the law at least one. And by the fact that he resigned to protect the fact that so of what others he broke. And we yeah. still have people going, well, Nixon wasn't that bad. Fuck off. But it's, they say Nixon wasn't that bad. Then they follow that up with Clinton was worse yeah. or Obama was way worse than Nixon. Yeah. 
And that's the problem is that it's the identity politics, the divisiveness that you can't just admit that, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative. I lean right. Nixon was an asshole. There you go. That's all you got to say. Yep. <laughs> Instead of, yeah, Nixon was bad, but so-and-so was even worse. Or, you know, it would be, uh, you know, Nixon was bad, but Teddy Kennedy, who he bugged, and, you know, that, he would have been even worse as yeah. president. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Terrible, dude. Well, and that's the part that like frustrates me the most is it's like, look, they're all bad because they're all politicians, dude. And it's some of them do good things, but it's all still, like you said, I think it's all scripted. Like, I think it, they all get together and here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's because it's, uh, I mean, the funny thing to me is they're, you see them like badly, right? Mm-hmm. When they're doing their campaigning and everything like this. I mean, West Virginia is never as popular as it is between June and November of an election year. Um, and they're battling, battling, battling. And they serve their time, you know, as president or whatever. And then they're buddy, buddy. Oh, fucking they're hey, they're running. Out. They're, they're just chilling, you know, and it's almost like, okay, I'll use this example. You have Bush and then Obama, right? Mm-hmm. Obama went in and pretty much dismantled everything Bush did. And then they uh, buddy buddy afterwards. Well, they're running a fucking, <laughs> they're running like a nonprofit together. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, how can you guys be so blind? Yeah, it's it's oh. fucking silly shit. Yeah, it's just an act, just a play. Oh, for sure, it's all just a yeah because we're dumb. Is what <laughs> we're fucking morons. We care more about what's popular on TikTok. Oh, Budweiser is fuck. doing in their marketing campaigns. No <laughs> shit, what's happening? No shit. Country. It's so dope. Yeah, don't even get me started on that shit. But <laughs> buy a case of Bud Light and shoot it with a shotgun. You still fucking bought it, you moron. <laughs> You're missing the point. You do realize that they fucking made money on that shit that you just didn't drink. Fucking drink your Bud Light, bitch. Fucking quit being an idiot. So stupid. <laughs> fucking dumb as balls. It's because we're stupid, but that's it's indicative. Like, right, mm-hmm. we buy a case of fucking Bud Light to shoot it to prove a point. It to did not it. fucking hurt Bud Anheuser-Busch in the least. And then even worse, like these morons are like, oh, I'm going to switch to Bush. <laughs> oh my god it's made by the it's fucking the same, same. Oh, i'm gonna start being fancy and drink stella artois it's the fucking same company <laughs> jesus christ it just fucking kills me because we're dumb we're fucking dumb as a box of rocks but then we act like we know everything you know fucking kills me just fucking dude got a blowjob and he's the wor- worst president ever fuck off second one to be impeached no <laughs> Fucking so dumb. I fucking can't handle it. I can't handle it. It's it just like people should be bowing down for this motherfucker. He's the fucking top president of the United States. Everybody should give this man a blowjob. I'm like, what the fuck is <laughs> Seriously. Me in an elevator and be looking at him like, Mr. President, you look sad. <laughs> I will jiggle your balls, my friend. <laughs> like, come on, dude. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I'm stealing all this from a comedian, but like, it's great because like, it makes sense too. Because you think about it, it's like this is the man that like, 
like, what do you do for a living, right? And he asks the crowd, and he's like, well, I sell fishing equipment. Dude, on a shitty day, you teach a man to fish, and he pokes his fucking eye out. This is the president. On a shitty day at his job, fucking everybody dies. Like, it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> How are we going to be mad at this dude for getting some love in the Oval Office? Like, I get it. Don't cheat on your wife. Call your wife. She'll give you a blowjob in the Oval Office. But maybe she wouldn't. That could be the problem. I, who knows? I just think it's it's so dumb how up in arms. And I was a kid at the time. Like, I was barely a fucking teenager when all of that shit was going down. And I'm like, and I remember the outrage. But then I think about the shit that some of our presidents have done since then. And I'm like, everybody's like, eh, it's okay. I'm like, wait, what? Anyway. Yeah, there's no kind of standardized across the board. This is this. Yeah. I have my own problems with Clinton because he got rid of our grain storage, but that's sure. never here nor there. <laughs> I mean, they've all done some really shitty yeah, things. Again, but... based on the standard. <laughs> yeah. Grain storage, unnecessary wars, fucking tanking the economy over and over again. I, you know, I mean, how do we, we could do a whole episode just on our pol- political thought, but then we really probably would disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I reiterate, if I disappear in the next few weeks, <laughs> I did not plan this, fuckers. Okay, let's uh, let's rate this movie. Uh, I'll go first. Look, it's a great movie. It's old. I will say it's slow as fuck. This is not like an exciting movie. In fact, we did not invite Matson to rate this movie because he might have. It would have been a zero. Yeah, he would have been really mad <laughs> at us. Because this movie is slow. It's very character-driven. It tells a story that happened, and it tells it from a side that, unless you read the articles or read their book, you just don't know, right, how difficult it was to tell this story and the problems that they went through to get it out. The fact that they had to rely on someone that named, called himself Deep Throat, that we still don't truly, I mean, we know who it was now. now. But, I mean, it was like 40 years, 30 years before we found out who this was, right? And that's crazy to me how frightened that person would have to be to keep themselves that in the dark when something illegal is happening in the highest office of our country. But overall, I enjoy the shit out of this movie because I like good acting and I like a good story. And no matter how slow it was, it is very intriguing. The only thing I think this suffers from is the fact that it is such a true story that they're held within the bounds of what's happening. And while it's really interesting to see it, like I think it would serve better as a, documentary which they've done because i'd go into this thinking man it would be fun to have this be like an actual thriller like these guys are afraid for their lives and i'm sure at some point they were truly but i they can't portray that in the same way in this type of a film so with that said i'm going to give this a four because i really do feel like it's a great movie with a great story and phenomenal acting and very well done considering how true this story was and it's really not like, a, oh, shit, everybody was going to die type story, right? But it was really fun to hear and watch. And it was good to revisit something I haven't watched in years. So giving it a four, I would definitely watch this movie. And it'll be a while probably because it is a little slow and it is long. It's long for how slow it is. So uh, what about you, Alec? Yeah, kind of the same boat. It is a grind. Yeah. Like, I don't want nobody coming after us saying, you guys said this was a good movie and I <laughs> fell asleep. Like, Go and prepared. It is slow. Like JJ said, it is all character driven. Um, there's no car chases, nothing like that. No explosions happening. It's very slow, very methodical, very thought out. 
And even the humor that is there is very subtle humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to pay attention to understand what is going on, which I think they did a phenomenal job with because this story at this time, because this movie came out in 76, right? Watergate was 72. So this is still extremely fresh in everybody's mind who's going through it. So it's not kind of a story that we you'd expect them to poke fun of or over dramatize in any way, because it's still extremely fresh and they're in practice, just putting the facts of the story out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a, watching a two hour, 30 minute newspaper. Um, <laughs> and it, I love it. I love it. I do. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I will watch it again. Kind of same as JJ. It's not something you throw on as background noise or watch every weekend. It's uh, something that I think should be watched by every single journalist every year, or at least when you start your job to show you what journalism is supposed to look like. But yeah, I'm going to give it four and a half and I'll, I'll watch this again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially from like the being careful how, cause like how people word things like that whole situation with the one guy, you know, Hugh Sloan, where he says something, but they interpreted it wrong. Come to find out dudes wasn't even, the way it was worded, but, but it got him off his back. So anyway, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the journalists watch it. And I'm sure they do, but they obviously don't learn from it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, it's been a fun movie. Looking forward to the rest of the classics this month. We got some interesting movies coming. So looking forward to it. But until then, Alec, tell everybody where they can find us. Happy to. Uh, thank you for tuning in to our review of All the President's Men. This is a favorite of mine. Yes, I am biased. No, I will not apologize. I'm glad we are trying some new things and getting a whole month of some major classics out. Uh, special thanks to our current patron, Roland Emmerich, or whatever you change your name to, Charles, uh, in the time that we record this to the time it's been released. Uh, <laughs> special thanks to our current patron. Uh, I messed it up. It's all good. Oh, Charles. Yeah, you suck. Uh, Something about Matson. Oh, yeah. So thanks, Charles, for making those selections. Uh, You picked some great ones. With these new themes that we are trying out, Patreon is definitely the place to be, guys. Pick the movies that we highlight, whether it's classes like the month of June, or I believe we have a guilty pleasure movie month coming up shortly. I am excited for what we have going on and it's happening all on Patreon. So be sure to check us out there. Alternatively, you can find us wherever podcasts can be found, including Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Ghana. Leave us a review or a comment and let us know if your if our verdict matches with yours. With that, I will send it back to the Caliph of Clout, the great Bambino, a JJ. Yeah, thanks, Alec. And I will say one more time, because third time's a charm. I... I'm not leaving anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We will catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinemagic out. Maybe forever. (laughs) 